You're hunting it, ain't you? Yeah, you're hunting it, all right. Just like me. What are you hunting, Mr. Sam? Apocalypse, end of the world, Armageddon. It's always got a face and a name. You can't kill damnation, mister. You don't die like a man dies. I know that, Mr. Sayer. Oh, you're a pilgrim, all right. So what brings you back here for ten years? Michael Myers has escaped from Richmond. He's here in Haddonfield. That's impossible. Michael Myers is an infant. He's here, Sheriff. Why? Ten years ago, he tried to kill Laurie Strode. Now he wants her daughter. You talking about Jamie Boyd? Wherever she is, that little child is in mortal danger. Has been locked up since before she was born. He's never laid eyes on. Six bodies, Sheriff. That's what I've seen between here and Richmond. A filling station in flames. I tell you, Michael Myers is here in this town. He's here to kill that little girl and anybody who gets in his way. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Magmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. This is the end of the Halloween series. And uh, it's been a super fun month for me to be able to talk and cover my favorite horror series. And uh, I've had a lot of fun times just remembering and going through these films and hearing from you guys is probably you know the most amount of emails I've gotten uh this month has been it's been awesome and I got even more today uh, not more is not as much as last time but I still got some emails it's going to be good times and talk about that at the end of the show and a lot of good exciting new stuff has been going on that I wanted to talk about so before uh just to give you a little premise of how the rest of the show is going to go um, basically, with the other episodes, you know, I pretty much went into full detail with Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 and then H2O. Now, since I'm covering so many movies, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. I'm just going to give uh, a brief synopsis of what's going on in the film, uh, what, I li- what I like about the film, what I don't like about the film, and just move on to the next one. Just so I can wrap up the whole series and then uh, get in some news and uh, and just have some fun times and uh and be done with this and then move on to the uh two halloween movies that you guys picked so let's get uh let's get this rolling let's get into some movie and music news So this week in movie and music news, um, something that I thought was kind of funny, even God himself does not want to see the Crow remake, okay? They never should have flippin' made the sequels to that awesome film, let alone them trying to remake the Brandon Lee film, okay? 
And uh, what happened is, is Juan Carlos, um, Juan Carlos uh, Frenzinaldo, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, he was set to direct the upcoming reboot of The Crow. But the dude is bailed out. And uh, there's just been a lot of problems trying to get this thing off the ground. And it's like, that's such a good thing. Because I definitely don't want to see this movie remade, okay? Just leave it alone and call it a day, okay? So let's just hope and pray that they don't ever get the foot off the ground to remake this sucker, okay? And uh, and I can't wait to talk to Crow with Ty. It's going to be some good times. Uh, Blu-ray's coming out on Tuesday. Same as Batman Arkham City. And I just saw another trailer for Arkham City. And man, I am so pumped. I've already added it to my all-time favorite game list. Uh, even though I haven't played it yet, I still think it's going to totally kick Arkham Asylum's butt. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, X-Men First Class Writers. They are aboard a Top Gun sequel. Why? I have no idea. I think it's kind of stupid to have a sequel to that movie. But, you know, it is what it is. And uh, no plot has been uh, given at this time. But uh, director Tony Scott previously said that the film would chart the development of the Air Force fighter pilot into the present day. Inspired particularly by a young Air Force pilot he met on a flight who runs drone simulation. So... I don't know what's up. I mean, Top Gun's a chick flick, so, you know, if you want to watch a great airplane movie, uh, jet fighter movie, watch some Iron Eagle. That's just my opinion. So, other interesting news. Now, say what you want about the Die Hard franchise. You know, me, I am always a sucker for it. I actually enjoy Live Free or Die Hard. And they're coming out with another one. It's going to be called A Good Day to Die Hard. And it's coming out on Valentine's Day 2013. I think it's flipping awesome because I am so pumped just to see another one because you know what? It's a good time, okay? And it's basically going to be uh, John McClane and his son fighting some dude. And I mean, you basically know how this is going to play out. And there's a lot of rumors going around who is going to be the son of John McClane and uh, Paul Walker is now the rumored person to be playing a son. So we'll see how that all plays out. You know, it's too early to tell, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool that we're going to get another one of those. And the best thing of all that happened that I saw was the picture of Jean-Claude Van Damme, Bruce Willis, and Arnold Schwarzenegger together filming The Expendables 2. So super, super pumped to see that. I uh, can't wait. And I highly recommend you check out uh, JCVD. Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's basically like almost a semi-biographical film, biography film, but it not really because uh, it's still a movie, not really about what's happening. It's basically like them talking about uh, his movies and him being at court, custody with his children and being a down and out film actor. And it's got a really, really cool uh, message behind it and it's pretty inventive uh, I, I recommend you check that out it's a very good film so that is it for movie news now in regards to music news pretty cool uh, news uh, if you're an Evanescence fan which I know a lot of you out there are they are targeting the top um, you know on the top 200 they should place at number one this week so uh, which their CD just came out and the reason I bring this up is uh, something I'm going to be doing different which if you haven't seen already on the Facebook page since uh, during the week um, 
you know, once in a while, if I catch a new movie out on DVD, I throw a quick review up there. What I'm going to start doing is review music now because uh, I love music. You know, I, I can't say I almost love music more than I love movies because, I mean, music you can just listen to all the time. And one thing with music is I'm pretty critical with music. I like if I like something, I like something, and if I don't like something, I don't like something. Versus movies, it's really hard for me to find fault in movies and that kind of thing. But with music, it's like, yeah, this is good, or no, this isn't good, you know, that kind of thing. But I love all kinds of music. And uh, I'm going to start reviewing music on the Facebook page. Uh, I just started with three of them. Basically, the last three albums that I bought, I put a review up there of my thoughts on the album and uh, pretty much what was good about it, what songs I thought you guys would dig, and uh, it's really cool. Now, don't be afraid about in regards to what kind of music reviews I'm going to be doing because, well, you know, Mike probably only likes this or like that. To be honest with you, uh, my musical taste is very, very wide. I pretty much, I listen to, I would say, everything. I mean, I listen from everything to uh, classic rock, rock and roll, Christian rock. We got some rap. We got some jazz. We got some um, even country. You know, as long as it's not the twangy stuff, I can handle it. We got some orchestra, classical music, uh, everything I, you know, rap, uh, hip-hop. Uh, everything I listen to, uh, R&B, just all that stuff, I, I dig it. And uh, what I'm going to be doing is I'm just going to be picking uh, either an album that I've bought uh, recently or a little while ago. And I'll go ahead and talk about that. Or uh, I'm going to try to find like a, some, a new single that, uh, you know, because singles are mostly my thing. Albums, I really only buy albums if it's from a particular artist that I really dig and I think I'm going to like it. And uh, but singles though that that's the thing. So just be on the lookout for that. I'm gonna be throwing up some uh, music reviews. So I, again, I've done that today. It's on the Facebook page now. So if you're not a fan already, uh, go to the Facebook page, type in Sweep the Lake Podcast, go like the page, and you'll get all my updates. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll dig what I have to say because you know this isn't just a movie show. This is a music show. And uh, I know I haven't been supporting the music on the Facebook page, and it just kind of dawned on me, like, why haven't I been doing that all along, you know? So I just want to throw that out there, that uh, be on the lookout for those, and, you know, give me your thoughts and opinions on, on my review. Tell me if you thought I was right. Tell me if I thought I was wrong. And, and the first three I did were totally different from the other. Uh, three totally different albums, totally different styles of music. So go ahead, check it out, and uh, let me know what you think. And uh, I will be throwing that your way, hopefully, if not weekly, every other week, just to uh, just to get that out there. So it's going to be good times. And um, that's going to be it for uh, music news because it's more, um, I really wanted to talk about that, how I'm going to be focusing on those kind of reviews, uh, along with the movie reviews as well. Those will still be coming out, the random movie reviews. But I wanted to let you know that I'll also be doing the music ones as well. So that's it for, uh, oh, let me just talk to you about one more thing. Uh, before we get into the movie review, uh, for the month of November, I was thinking, uh, what kind of movie should I be doing in November? Because it's Thanksgiving time. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of Christmas movies, but not a whole lot of Thanksgiving movies. 
and I figured I would change it up a little bit. I know some of the podcasts I listen to are going to be doing some really cool Thanksgiving movies, and I don't really want to do those at the exact same time that they are. So uh, what I decided to do is I'm going to pick a film series that's going to fit for the month of November. And the reason why it's going to fit is when I think of Thanksgiving, I don't just think of it as food. I think of it as, you know, a time to be around with the, with your family, the people that you love. Uh, it's just all about being together and, uh, you know, it just family is the thing that I always think of when it comes to Thanksgiving. So for the month of November, I'm picking a family series. But the family series I'm picking is kind of edgy because of the fact of it appeals to everybody. It appeals to kids. It appears to teenagers. It appeals to adults. And I can tell it appeals to everybody because of the fact of this is a film series. Uh, well, it's a series that's been around for a long time and has reinvented itself and is still kicking some major butt. So here's a little hint on what the film series I'm going to be doing is. <sighs> On the half shell, they're the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more? The girls on the half shell, they're on a mission When there's a battle, got the enemy wishing that they stayed at home Instead of fighting these ninja masters with moves like lightning They were once normal, but now the news Splinters the teacher, so they are the students Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello Make up the team with one other fellow, Raphael He's the leader of the group, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group. Pizza's the food that's sure to please. These ninjas are into pepperoni and cheese. So if you didn't guess it by now, it's the Ninja Turtles series. I'm going to be doing one, two, three, and then I'm going to be doing TMNT to finish up the month. Uh, you know, it's real edgy. You know, um, number one, it's definitely, definitely the darkest movie of the series. But uh, it definitely appeals to, to everybody because, you know, this is... The Ninja Turtles series, you know, you loved as a kid. Uh, your kids love it now because Ninja Turtles had like their their anniversary. I think it's like their 25th anniversary. So all their movies got re-released. All their toys. I mean, everywhere I go, I mean, I have new Ninja Turtles shirts. My my kids have Ninja Turtles stuff. Uh, you know, Ninja Turtles has definitely reinvented itself. They even had the really cool uh, Turtles movie where all the generations of the Turtles met. Where you had the old school cartoon meets the new school cartoon, and then they went back in time and met the comic book version so uh, if I have time I'll throw that review in there as well but for the month of November I thought turtles fits well because turtles is just family is their thing you know they fight a lot but uh, they can't live with one without one another and uh, Ninja Turtles is definitely a family oriented film series where everybody can sit down and watch it and have a good time there's something for everybody and then after November uh, after the Christmas movies uh, in January then I'll get back to the old school, um, you know, action hero series. Finish that off. Get into all the movie reviews that I said I was going to be doing, like the short circuits and the RoboCop, and uh, just start the year off. Really great, fun movies. So uh, now I'm not going to be uh, reviewing Halloween three. You know, I kind of touched base on that in the last episodes, and uh, I pretty much just want to talk to Michael Myers here. So, and I kind of gave a small review of what I thought of three. So, uh, first movie we're going to be doing is Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers.
Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. Sixteen people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Now, Michael Myers has come home. He has returned for one more night of unholy terror. here to kill that little girl and anybody who gets in his way. Oh, God. Who's going to be next? Ah! Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Maybe nobody knows how to stop him. All right, Halloween 4, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Now, uh, here's the thing with Halloween 4. Uh, this is going to be the best movie out of the rest of this series, out of the rest of the reviews that I'm talking about. And even this movie has some problems. But the reason why this movie is the best is a couple different things. One, we start a new trilogy. This is basically Jamie Lloyd, which is the daughter of Laurie Strode, played by the ever-so-lovely Daniel Harris. And basically, we're going to be... This new story goes through Halloween 4, Halloween 5, and Halloween 6. It kind of ends her story. And then finally when you get to Halloween 8, they decide to go their own way. And uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. But Halloween 4 is definitely the best. Uh, but like I said, it has some problems. Here's basically the deal with Halloween 4. came out in 1988 and uh, is directed by Dwight H. Little and written by Alan B. Uh, McElroy. Now here's the thing with this film. This movie had to be written up uh, before the writer's strike took place. So they only had 11 days to come up with the story for this film. So that's why some things kind of feel off a little bit. But I think for the most part, they did pretty good in regards to a good story. How Lumis comes back is a little bit ridiculous, if not completely ridiculous. But... The thing with is John Carpenter and co-producer Deborah Hill retired the Myers plotline after the second installment of the series. And as I was saying before, they intended to feature a new Halloween season-related plot every sequel, like they started with Halloween 3. Due to the lack of success of that film, Halloween 4 wanted to reinduce the Myers-related plot because that's what everybody wanted was to see Michael Myers back in action because Mustafa Khad had uh, rebought everything, the story, everything, all the rights, everything. He wanted to bring back Michael Myers back to the public and give people what they wanted. So it was a pretty moderate box office success, grossing $17 bucks on a $5 million budget. Uh, the reaction to the critics was pretty mixed. Uh, it was somewhat criticized for not introducing anything original or innovative or innovative to the series. But the plot of the film is basically Michael Myers, who survives the explosion at the end of Part 2. He's been in a coma, 
and he escapes while being transferred from one sanitarium to the other. He kills the driver, kills the paramedics inside the ambulance, uh, you know, that was driving him. Now, prior to escaping, Michael learns that Jamie Lloyd, who is Laurie Strode's daughter and obviously would be his niece, is alive in Haddonfield, Illinois. So, Jamie, she was basically adopted by the Carruthers family. Now, the Carruthers family knows about Michael Myers. Uh, they know that Michael Myers is her uncle, but uh, does not know that he's also the man that she has nightmares about. So, Dr. Loomis, uh, which, yeah, I know, he exploded with Michael Myers. Michael Myers can come back, but Dr. Loomis exploded, but somehow comes back with burned hands and burned face. But only half of his face, not the other half. So... You know what? It's the 80s, so people of today would not accept this fact. But back in the 80s, they were like, you know what? We get our we get our killer back. We get our our guy that goes after him back. We'll take it. And that's basically you just gotta kind of go along with it if you want to enjoy this movie. So he survives the explosion, obviously. Learns that Michael Myers has escaped and uh, resumes his pursuit. Now, uh, Jamie encounters Michael while shopping for a Halloween costume. She actually buys the uh, clown costume that Michael Myers wore when he killed his sister in part one. Um, Michael disappears when Rachel, who is Jamie's foster sister, re-enters the store. And instead of meeting up with her boyfriend Brady, uh, Brady's a complete douchebag, Rachel babysits Jamie while her parents go on a date. Now Michael causes a blackout when he kills a worker at a power plant. Like I said, Michael Myers, he's a flipping assassin, okay? He's got everything planned out. What is he going to do? He's going to take out the power plant, so he takes this dude and throws him into the, the, the power plant. He starts to get electrocuted. Flipping hilarious, but it was a good time. So it plunges the town into darkness. So after discovering her boyfriend, Grady, is cheating on her with another girl, complete bl uh, blonde bimbo, uh, Rachel loses track of Jamie. Now, after being briefly chased by Michael, Rachel finds Jamie and the sheriff. Now, the sheriff, I really like this guy. He, he to me, he's better than Sheriff Brackett ever was. Uh, he's basically Sheriff Meeker, uh, played by Bostar. And uh, Loomis arrives and takes um, the two girls to the sheriff's house. Now, Loomis tells Jamie more about her uncle and his past and... Uh, leaves to go search for Michael Myers. Now, Michael Myers gains access to the house, kills the sheriff's daughter, yay, Brady, and a deputy. Now, Jamie, Rachel, and Dr. Loomis escape to a school. Michael follows them there. Loomis is thrown through a window. Rachel and Jamie are then rescued uh, from an earlier searching party. Um, kind of Think of like hillbillies, kind of, uh, but with guns uh, and really tough. Now, Michael, uh, he's been holding on to the chassis of the truck when those guys are taken off. He murders the group, forces Rachel to drive the truck because um, she's trying to protect Jamie, drive the truck off the road. Michael's thrown from the truck into a ditch, and then he's shot up by the police. Staggering before he's being shot, Michael falls into this mine shaft, and you think he's dead. Now, uh, before I get into the ending here... The ending they presented is the ending they should have gone with for the rest of the series, not with the ending, not with what they did in part five. Just saying, Rachel and Jamie, which I'll get into in a minute. Rachel and Jamie return home. Uh, Mrs. Carruthers uh, goes upstairs to give Jamie a bath. 
Jamie puts on the clown mask. You get the reminiscence of part one. Grabs a pair of scissors. Stabs Mrs. Carruthers just like Michael did to his sister. Uh, Loomis screams in horror. Um, he's about ready to shoot her. Uh, Rachel, uh, Mr. Carruthers, Sheriff Meeker standing at the top of the stairs and glaring down. Talk about a cliffhanger. Okay, That's basically the the whole story in a nutshell. Now, here's a couple things that totally annoy me with this film. I talked before in prior episodes about the mask. The mask is atrocious, okay? Can't flip and stand the mask. Uh, George Wilbur, uh, he's actually going to play Michael Myers in this film and in Halloween 6. He does a way better job with Michael Myers in Part 6 than he does in this film, but he works. I like the fact that Michael Myers' hands are burned up really good it obviously makes you uh it puts you in the mood of part uh of part two the beginning opens up with some really cool scenery of halloween because the actual director lived in illinois so knows what halloween is like it's cold wet it's got leaves you know a really good effect now uh how michael myers gets his suit okay so Michael Myers has this really cool bandage on his face. I mean, he kind of, instead of having a bag over his head like Jason does in the Friday the 13th, uh, Michael has this, this bandage wrapped around his face. So you, obviously his face, you could tell, is burned. And when he escapes, uh, he's looking for a jumpsuit. First place he goes is to a mechanic, to a garage. Uh, he sees a mechanic come out from underneath the car, and he takes his big old pipe and stabs him. Now, can someone tell me if you stab somebody... Isn't aren't you gonna rip the clothes? So supposedly they don't show it to you, but you're supposed to presume that Michael Myers stabs him in the chest. So unless he stabbed the guy in the face, which based on the angle of the camera didn't look like he stabbed the guy in the face, Michael Myers should have a big hole in the center of his jumpsuit, uh, but he doesn't. So that's kind of off there. They weren't really thinking that that much in advance. Uh, like I said, the mask. It's just. It's hard to explain why it's so bad. Uh, it's just, it doesn't have any, like for example, the poster. I absolutely love the poster of Halloween 4. I think it's the best poster of the whole entire series. You get almost the full face of Michael Myers. Now, this is the best way to explain the mask. Take the poster, uh, if you want, go to Wikipedia, type in Halloween 4, and they'll give you a poster. Uh, take that poster, then take a picture of the Halloween 4 mask, put it side by side, and you notice that it is there's no cheekbone, uh, there's no markings on the face, it's just completely clear. Now, I get the fact that it's supposed to be a new mask, okay? Because I know that the original mask was burned into fire, okay? I totally get that. It's just the fact that the mask that they decided to pick, just, I wish they could have made it look more more like the part two mask you know i get the fact that it's supposed to be different it's just that's what annoys me here's another thing wouldn't you think that the mask would be pulled off the shelves i mean if your town had a psycho murderer walking around with that particular mask wouldn't you pull it off off all your shelves but instead jamie when she goes to pick out her halloween costume there's michael myers mask just hanging in the background and of course that's how michael myers gets his mask is when he's hunting jamie down in the halloween shop so i thought that was kind of stupid uh let's see the um i gotta say he's kind of 
Michael Myers is kind of like Lex Luthor in a way because uh, you know Lex Luthor he's always got those crazy plans and taking everybody out uh, you know Michael Myers is, as I said he's always been like a ninja and assassin that kind of thing but man I'll tell you the dude knows how to take out a power plant he knows how to take out you know phone lines you know I actually dig that, you know, Michael Myers is smarter than people give him credit for, okay, the dude may not talk, he may not run, but the guy is way smarter than you ever are, okay, that's the one cool thing I really dig about Michael Myers is how smart the guy is, so, uh, I really, I really like the look, the, the lighting is great, the music is way better, we don't have, uh, crappy, you know, crappy music, the, they got the original, the, uh, Michael Myers, or not Michael Myers, John Carpenter didn't do the soundtrack this time, um, the music was done by Alan, uh, Holworth, but, uh, he actually helped John Carpenter on Halloween 2. So he actually got the permission to actually have the original iconic version of Hallow of the Halloween theme song and, and kind of make it his own. Does a good job. I really dig the music in the film. Uh, I really like the rooftop scene. Uh, that scene was real, th uh, had a real thrill vibe to it before you even add Michael Myers to it. Um, I dig the, uh, I dig the whole scene where Michael Myers is in the house, how they gotta lock it up. But, you know, the blonde, wouldn't you put pants on if your dad's the sheriff? I mean, if, if your, if your dad came home and you were naked, wouldn't you want to put pants on? I just thought that was kind of weird, but... Uh, Danielle Harris is amazing. Uh, she's a very talented actress. I absolutely love her as Jamie Lloyd. She she has a great innocent look to her. Her scream is phenomenal, just like Jamie Lee Curtis. I really, really dig her performance. Uh, Rachel, uh, a lot of people don't like Ellie Cornell's performance of Rachel. I dig her. I think she's good. Uh, I don't think she did better at Daniel Harris, but I don't think she is annoying at all. I think she does a good job. Um, now the funny thing is how much she loves her stepsister. I mean, there's a lot of people that love their stepsister, but uh, these two seem really, really close. But I can't say that that's a problem. Some people actually think that this is uh, Lindsay from Part One because she throws a line about how well your mom used to babysit me. Her name is Rachel. Okay, it's a totally different character. Lori was a babysitter, okay? She babysat a lot of people. You don't just babysit one kid. So people need to get that perspective out of their head that this is Lindsay from part one because it's not. Her name is Rachel, okay? Just wanted to clarify that for people. Um, other than that, uh, the ending, what I was talking about, what I, what I would have wished is they want you to think that Michael Myers is dead and that Jamie now has... Uh, you know, she's like the same age as Michael Myers was when she, when she, you know, they make you think that, uh, Mrs. Carruthers is dead, but she'll, she comes back part five, but it would have been great if they would have just made this like Michael's little helper, you know, cause she touches Michael Myers, uh, when he gets shot up and that's when he stands up and they, and they finish shooting him up. It's like, it would have gone better if the evilness, so to speak, passed on to Jamie and Jamie would have been the new killer. I would have dug that, but Mustafa Cod has a thing where Michael Myers has got to be in every flipping movie. So it, it, the way the rest of the series is going to go is it's almost like each writer said, uh, okay, Mustafa wants 22 Halloween movies, so we're going to just throw some random crap in there so we can extend the story to 22 films because Mustafa was serious about this, okay? He wanted 22 films because Donald Pleasant said he wouldn't 
be done with the character until he either dies or we get 22 films. So Mustafa wanted the same thing. He wanted the story to last for 22 uh, 22 movies. So I kind of think the writer said, hey, Jamie's going to be the new bad guy. And then the writer of part five said, screw that. We're going to go with this. So that's my review of Halloween 4. Again, this is the best of the of the remainder of the series. Uh, it's not better than Halloween 1. It's not better than Halloween 2. Uh, some will actually um, argue that it's better than H2O. Uh, I can see why they would feel that way. I personally like H2O better than Halloween 4. But Halloween 4, I give the same rating as H2O because they're both great films in their own sense. So Halloween 4, um, what did I give H2? I think I gave it a, a 3.5. So I would give Halloween 4 a 3.5 stars because uh, there's all those problems that I have with the film, but I like the... But the things that I like are very, very good. You know, we got great music, um, great characters, uh, the lighting, the the look of things look really, really good. Uh, outside of Michael Myers, uh, whenever I see his mask, I'm just kind of I'm so annoyed that I I couldn't give the film any higher than three and a half. But it is definitely the best that you're gonna get for the rest of the film series. So let's move on to Halloween Five. Help me! Help me now! We both know he's alive, but you know where he is. Halloween 5. This time, they're ready. This time, he's unmasked. And this time, he's back with a vengeance. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. All right, so Halloween 5. Not as good as part 4. Uh, the good parts in the film are not as great as the good parts in number 4. There was better parts in 4 than there was in 5. Uh, the film takes place, uh, came out exactly one year later, so now they're trying to pull a Friday the 13th kind of style where they bring out a new movie every year. You could tell the film was rushed. We have uh, Jamie Lloyd... Uh, back in the film, we have Loomis. Back in the film, we have Michael Myers. Now, the film begins with the recap of Halloween 4. It shows you uh, what happened to Michael Myers uh, when he fell down the mine shaft. He basically escapes, and he has the new mask. Now, the mask looks better in this film, but the neck is too long. The face had more of a similar look to the original mask, but because of the long neck and how big the character that played Michael Myers, the guy that played Michael Myers is a lot bigger than George Wilbur was. So because of that fact, the face is kind of stretched out more, and because of the fact the face is stretched out more, it gives the mask a different look. So, uh, as I said, the state troopers, they actually show them tossing dynamite down the, map, the mine shaft. Now, if they had shown this in part four, you really would have thought Michael Myers is dead. But now that they're showing you in part five, you're like, okay, that's why you would think that Michael Myers is dead. Because, you know, if they just shot him up, you're like, okay, Michael Myers went through bullets, he went through fire, he went through this and that. But yet, Michael Myers gets shot up and Dr. Loomis just assumes that he's alive. You know, that kind of was kind of a little hard to swallow versus if they would have shown the state troopers tossing dynamite down there that would explain why Dr. Loomis said Michael Myers is in hell so Michael Myers uh, escapes and stumbles into a local hermit 
where he collapses in the shack before he, you know, he sticks his hand around his neck and he collapses. Now here's the thing, and this really bothers me. How could a hermit take a dude and stick him in his house for a whole flipping year? Okay, I thought that was just kind of weird. Okay, I couldn't really go with that. And the way that they're changing the story up now is that Michael Myers stays in a comatose state for a whole flipping year. He basically doesn't come out until it's Halloween. It's kind of like he's a machine and he goes to sleep until he's turned on. And what turns him on is when Halloween rolls around. So you're supposed to believe that this hermit took care of Michael Myers for a whole flipping year. Which is just kind of obnoxious and ridiculous. But if you're going to follow the rest of the film, you kind of have to go with it. So, Jamie at this point is committed to a children's psychiatric ward. And the funniest thing is, is she starts having nightmares and screams, but she can't scream because she's now mute. And the first thing that the nurse says to her is, do you want me to call your mother? You want me to call your mother? I mean, seriously, she just stabbed her stepmother. Now, whether you have a good relationship with your stepmother or not, if you flip and stabbed your stepmother why would your stepmother want to come to your rescue okay it's like that doesn't make any sense but uh, again you're supposed to go along with it i mean as i said this movie was rushed so they didn't really take the time to think about some of the plot plot things in this film uh, but uh rachel's friends here's the thing rachel supposedly has new friends within this year that love jamie which probably you think is kind of weird. I mean, Jamie is Rachel's uh, adopted stepsister, and her her best friend is in, you know loves her adopted you know stepsister. So it's kind of a weird you know environment. So for some people, I guess it would work, but for the majority of people, it, it kind of seems a little bit off there. Uh, and Tina is the new. Uh, is the new best friend. And Tina is flipping annoying, but at the same time, she's likable. Uh, she does this real stupid, crazy dance when you first meet her. Bump it up, bump it up, bump. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, real annoying. You kind of want to strangle her neck. Later on in the film, she gets a little bit more, a little more likable. So, getting back to the story. So, one cool thing that I like is Jamie now has a psychic link with her uncle. Uh, I guess you could say it's been it's been passed to her from when she touched her. And uh, Loomis, man, Loomis is so flipping crazy in this film. I mean, he's screaming at little kids and screaming at Jamie. And I mean, he's definitely gone off the rails on this film. He is not the Dr. Loomis that you know and love from part one and part two, okay? Um, so Loomis is aware that Jamie has a psychic link with Michael Myers. He tries to convince Sheriff Meeker that Michael Myers is still alive. And Michael kills Rachel, which you're like, whoa, seriously, he's going to take out Rachel? But he does. And he takes her out with a pair of scissors. Now, uh, originally in the script, she went out a lot more hardcore. And Ellie, who plays uh, Rachel, did not like that and, and told them that if you want me back, you need to change that scene because I, I cannot die that way. So they changed it where she died with a pair of scissors, which those are the scissors found later in H2O. Just pointing that out. Um, so he now moves on to her best friend, Tina. And uh, her other friend is Samantha Spitz and her boyfriend, Mike. And these are all basically lunch meat for Michael Myers to take out later. Now, Michael stalks Mike and kills him outside a car 
garage and uh, he does a really cool way where he takes Mike is in love with his car and what does Michael Myers do he takes uh, he takes this little hook thing and goes down and scratches up his paint it's flipping hilarious so Tina Samantha and Spitz they go to this Halloween party in a barn now Michael kills both Samantha and Spitz in the barn who are having sex he kills two deputies that Loomis has to keep an eye on Tina for her own protection once this party is over, Michael chases Tina and Jamie along with Jamie's uh, inmate, Billy, with a car. Uh, Billy is kind of um, Jamie's friend, um, you know, in the hospital with her. Now, while in the pursuit of Jamie, Michael runs into a tree and appears to be dead. But then he steps out of the car and is ready to kill Jamie. Now, Tina runs into Michael, sacrifice. Now she sacrifices herself to save Jamie, which you just sacrificed yourself for your best friend's adopted stepsister. Just saying. Uh, Jamie agrees to put herself in danger to help Loomis stop Michael for good. With and like I said, he's flipping crazy. He's like, "Here, take Jamie. You know, you can go ahead and kill her. You know, blah 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 blah." And then he throws her to the side. With Jamie's help, Loomis lures Michael back to the abandoned Myers house, which this house is like a flippin' mansion. Looks nothing like the movies, the house that were in the prior movies. That was totally stupid. Uh, but if they couldn't get the old house back, you should have picked a house that looked closer to the Myers house than the flippin' mansion. Just saying. In the old Myers house, uh, Loomis and the police create a setup inside the house. Jamie's in Judith Myers' bedroom, seated in front of a vanity, brushing her hair. So, uh, basically, Michael Myers um, gets into the house because, you know, Jamie's having visions of Billy, which uh, causes Meeker, along with most of the backup, to leave the Myers house. And eventually, Michael arrives driving a police car and uh, tailgates the only car waiting and kills the cops that are hanging around. Uh, so, Michael gets into his house. Loomis finds him, tries to reason with him. Uh, attempts to take his knife away. Uh, Michael attacks him by slashing his stomach and breaking a window behind him uh, with his head. Michael then throws Loomis off a stair railing. Michael comes and breaks down a locked door uh, so he can gain entry in the Judith Myers room. Now, at this time, um, a police officer uh, who's been in a room with Jamie uh, dangled a rope out of a window to help her climb out. But things don't go according to plan. Michael Murr's officer tries to save Jamie, who manages to run past Michael and get out of the room. Now, Jamie attempts to hide in the attic. Uh, she actually finds uh, Tina's dog, Max. Uh, he's, uh, he's dead, obviously. He finds the bodies of Mike, Rachel. She's basically ready to die at this point. So she tries appealing to Mike, uh, kind of his humanity kind of style, by saying, you know, uncle... Uh, it fails. Um, his rage goes back into play. Now, Jamie flees through the house, hiding an old laundry chute, uh, is being forced to abandon it safely after Michael finds her, starts to stab the chute repeatedly, which I really dig that scene. Michael chases her up the stairs. Loomis appears. He uses a tranquilizer gun, which weakens him. And uh, they, he basically proceeds to uh, beat the crap out of him unconsciously. And in the end, Mike's locked up in the local sheriff's station. Uh, he's supposed to be escorted to maximum security prison. Now, the guy in black that you've seen throughout the film, he attacks the police station, does an explosion, shoots the police, kills Sheriff Meeker and the other guys. Jamie walks through the station, finds the bodies of everybody, 
and goes and looks into Michael's cell, discovers it's empty, and the movie's over. So, again, another cliffhanger. So, a lot more story than uh, Halloween 4. Halloween 4 is definitely more um, basic. This one just tries to cram too much crap in, and it really fails in a lot of different areas. Um, let's see. They don't go along with the storyline of the ending of Halloween 4, which, you know, I guess I can go with it. Um, Jamie's not the killer. Had a problem with the whole hermit thing. Um, now, Rachel's friends, as I said, you know, loves Jamie, which they seem to, she, Tina seems to love Jamie way more than a normal person would in this situation. Um, but other than that, uh, the house is just kind of flipping ridiculous uh but the stuff that i do like i like the car chase scene where michael myers is chasing after tina and uh and jamie and her friend i really like that scene i really like the stabbing scene in the in the shoot the laundry shoot real suspenseful really freaked me out as a kid especially uh, i really do dig that uh the lighting and stuff doesn't look as great in this film as it did in part four uh, Meeker was really cool. Uh, he didn't have as much screen time as he did in the last one. Uh, at this point, Donald Pleasance, uh, his character is just getting way beyond control. Kind of crazy. He's starting to become psychotic at this point. So overall, I would definitely give Halloween 5 like a 2.5. You know, 2.5... Uh, probably on a good day of three but more likely i just kind of do two and a half you know it's definitely not one of those where if i want to sit down and watch a film i'm gonna throw in halloween five if it's on tv i'm gonna watch it uh it's just the thing daniel harris she doesn't even talk for half of the film she just plays a mute kid uh which is kind of annoying because i really dig her character i get the fact that she's playing mute i totally get that whole situation it's just that supposedly when she comes out of it it's like they let her go you know no hospital in the world would let a kid go after you just came back from being psychotic and killed your stepmother or tried to kill your stepmother and you got your voice back they would just let you go doesn't make any sense but um you know, Rachel dying was kind of a shocker at the moment. Uh, I do dig the guy that plays Michael Myers. He does a really good job. He's he's really big. Really fun times there. So that is basically it, guys, for Halloween 5. Let's go ahead and move on to Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Do you know why we celebrate Halloween? A long, long time ago, it was a night of great power. When the days grew short... All across the land, huge bonfires were lit. Oh, there was a marvelous celebration. And they dressed up in costumes, hoping to ward off the evil spirits, especially the boogeyman. Okay, now your feelings are going to be kind of different on this film depending which version you've seen. 
There's two versions of this film. There's a theatrical version, which is Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. And then there's Halloween 666, The Producer's Cut. And basically, The Producer's Cut, you're not going to be able to find. It's a bootleg version. It's got a huge cult following. Um, you can find some of them on, on eBay or on the internet, depending where you go. Some scenes are on YouTube. I There's a lot of things that I like way better in The Producer's Cut than I do in the original film. Here's the deal with Halloween Curse of Michael Myers. It came out in 1995. It's a sixth installment. Um, the film of, involves the Curse of Thorn. It's supposed to be a mystical symbol which is first shown on Halloween 5 because it was on the guy in black. It was on his uh, wrist and it's uh, revealed to be the source of Michael Myers' evil. They basically want to explain what makes Michael Myers do what he needs to do. Now we have Paul Rudd. This is his first film ever. Uh, he later was in Clueless that year. He plays Tommy Doyle, which I like the fact that he that they get somebody to return from the original cast. Now we have Donald Pleasance back, and he definitely is better in this film. He is the Loomis that you pretty much come to know. At this point, Loomis is retired. Um, and the cool thing is you don't see the burn makeup on his face because he's probably like, dude, I'm so old. There's no need to flip and put this makeup on me. And at this point, he, the dude can do whatever he wants. So he is basically the, the psychologist that we're used to seeing, which is pretty nice. Now, this is known for its controversy behind the scenes history. It suffered from reshoots and production, numerous cuts and arrangements made on any room floor, the work, printer, the work print of the film, it's 43 minutes of alternate footage. It includes a different ending. Uh, it was discovered by fans. That's why the fans call it the producer's cut. It was the original intention of the film. Uh, but they, even the, the company was going to release the film, never got a chance to release the film. So here's basically the plot line of this film. Six years after the events of Halloween 5, it's revealed that the Man in Black is seen throughout the previous movie, kidnapped Michael from the Haddonfield Police Station, and he also abducted Jamie Lloyd as well. Now, at this point, Jamie is 15 years old, and here's the deal why we didn't have Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris uh, is supposed to die a certain way in the film, and because of the fact they wouldn't change the way she was going to die, uh, this is Daniel Harris we're talking about here, they wouldn't change the way she was going to die. They did it for Rachel, but they wouldn't do it for her. And uh, she just didn't feel like going out that way. She didn't think it was right to her fans. So she decided not to do it. So they got this girl to play Jamie at 15. She looks like she's like 28 years old. Does not look 15 whatsoever. And she's impregnated. Now, Michael Myers is actually the one that impregnates her, which I'll get into in a little bit from the producer's cut, but they don't really go into it in the theatrical cut. So the baby's born October 30th, 1995, is carried away by the man in black, and he's the leader of this druid-like cult. Now, later that night, Mary, who's a nurse, helps Jamie escape with her baby. She warns her that she's in harm's way. Now, Michael, played by George, uh, George Wilbur from Halloween 4, the mask looks awesome in this film. Uh, George is bigger in this film. He still has the burnt hands, but he walks a lot faster in this film. He's more of a hunter in this film than he was in Halloween 4. And the mask looks way better. The, this is the best mask that we've had since Halloween 2. Totally dig the mask. Now, he's in pursuit of Jamie and her newborn. He kills the nurse. 
Jamie and the baby flee in a stolen pickup truck um, of a drunk motorist, uh, which obviously Michael Myers kills this guy. She hides at a dark and deserted bus station, and she calls into a local radio station asking for help. She's ignored by the DJ, which the DJ is supposed to kind of be a reminiscence of shock jock Howard Stern. Uh, his name is Barry. Uh, he's on the broadcast on the ha- talking about the Hannonfield murders. Now, Michael nearly corners her. But uh, she escapes only later to be run off the road by Michael. Beaten and exhausted, she makes her way out of the old barn. Michael pushes her into a corn thresher, only to find out Jamie does not have the baby. Now, the producer's cut. Jamie lives. Uh, Basically, Michael Myers stabs her, takes her back to the hospital, which is the reason why Dr. Loomis and Dr. Wynn show up at the hospital because they know that Jamie's still alive and is in the hospital. And in the hospital is when Jamie will die. She's basically going to have the image. She's going to have memories of the being held down um, in the Drew occult. Michael Myers comes up and he basically impregnates her. I didn't know Michael Myers could get busy. But supposedly in the producer's cut, Michael Myers can get busy. And he impregnates his niece. So they probably cut that out of the theatrical because we're talking a lot of concerns would be raised. But that's the, one of the big differences between the theatrical version and the producer's cut version. In the producer's cut version, the original Halloween theme music is played a whole lot more than we get in the theatrical version. So going back to the theatrical version, um, the people living in the Myers house are relatives of the Strode family who have adopted Lori, who adopted Lori. So we're talking, this isn't, this is the Strode family, but it's relatives of the Strode family. So we have Kara Strode, um, her six-month-old son, Danny, um, her teenage brother, Tim. Um, they're at school. Uh, Dr. Loomis visits their mother, Deborah Strode, reveals to her that she's living in Michael Myers' house. Now, after he leaves, Deborah calls her husband, John. Uh, he's a complete douchebag. Who's at work, tries to convince her about leaving Haddonfield, but uh, she's then killed uh, by Michael Myers. Um, so, Kara returns home, finds Danny in his room with Tommy, uh, whom he met while he was at home. Now, you got to keep in mind that the baby, uh, Jamie hid the baby in the bus station where Tommy finds her. Now, you mean to tell me the baby never cried and there's blood all over the floor? So, you mean to tell me no employee saw blood and, I mean... If I was a janitor, not only would I clean up the blood, but I would report it. But supposedly there's blood everywhere. The janitor never cleans it up, and we have a baby sitting there that never cries, but only cries when Tommy Doyle walks in. So that was kind of stupid. But getting back to the story here. Um, so the three of them go over to Tommy's house across the street. Tommy reveals to Kara about uh, how she believe, how he believes Michael uh, got his, you know, his powers, so to speak. Uh, he, he was basically selected by a cult of people who are under the influence of an ancient ruin called Thorn. And that the Druid astometers claim that, uh, that a constellation of stars appear from time to time on Halloween night. And with because of that, that's when Michael Myers will appear. Uh, the Druid curse, it's, a represent, it's represented like a demon that spreads sickness and causes destruction among the Druid tribe. So to prevent this, a child from each tribe is chosen to inherit the curse that would offer a blood sacrifice on the next of kin on the night of Halloween. 
and the curse's motivation on why Michael Myers is killing his whole family so he can apply why he basically has superhuman abilities. So you're meant to believe that after Michael Myers kills his family, his job is done. And that's why they want Jamie's baby. So they can put the curse now on Jamie's baby. Uh, well, actually, Michael has to kill Jamie's baby for it to be the last. But they want Tommy to take over and be the new Michael Myers, so to speak. So uh, while Tommy goes out looking for Dr. Loomis uh, at a party at a Haddonville Junior College, Mrs. Blankenship reveals to Kara... Uh, she's kind of like the uh, she's a babysitter. Uh, she was basically babysitting Michael Myers when he killed his sister, which you didn't do a very good job if you let Michael Myers out and kill the sister. And uh, Danny now hears the voice that tells Michael Myers the the same voice that Michael Myers heard is also the voice that Danny's hearing right now. And uh, he heard it uh, babysitting and told him to kill his sister. So. Uh, he is the next child to come into the influence of Thorn, and Michael kills Barry Sims, which is that rock DJ, which, thank God, because he was a jerk. John Strode, he, he was the douchebag, and his head flipping explodes being electrocuted. That was totally ridiculous, okay? I've never seen anybody electrocuted and their head exploded. And Tim and his girlfriend. Now, Tommy returns to the boarding house with Dr. Loomis, now the man in black, Reveals himself to be Dr. Wynn, the guy from the original Halloween, uh, which you probably only saw for like five seconds. Now, Dr. Wynn and his staff, um, his cult of people who appear to be, you know, the cult of Dorn, uh, take care of Danny, Stephen, and Michael back to Smith's Grove Sanitarium with Tommy and Dr. Loomis following them. Now, Loomis confronts Dr. Wynn, who uh, credits him for discovering Michael's evil within him and recognizes his power. Wynn then implies how Jamie's baby was representing a new cycle of evil, uh, inviting Loomis to join him on the events. Now, Loomis calls Wynn out on his evil scheme before being knocked unconscious by a staff member. Uh, Mike, uh, Tommy will find Kara locked in a room of a maximum security ward uh, after a brief converse, uh, confrontation with Michael. They'll continue on to find Danny and Steven. So in the hallway, they see Dr. Wynn and a team of surgeons walk into the operating room after discuss, after they discuss the scientific breakthrough procedure that they're working on as a result of a genetic experiment. They don't get into it, but there's a bunch of babies laying around and stuff. Real crazy, weird stuff. So Tommy and Kara sneak into this, uh, this room where they find the children. And they watch the doctors begin to perform this procedure. But Michael interrupts them, walks in with the machete and starts to slaughter them all. Now, through Dr. Wynn's fate remains unclear in all this whole sequence, but Tommy, Kara, and the kid run with Michael in hot pursuit until, like, they run away from him in hot pursuit until they find this high-tech meth lab. Now, Kara notices these tanks containing baby fetuses inside of each one of them with charts of ruins translated into scientific letter codes next to them. Real weird, crazy stuff. And basically, Tommy convinces Michael that he's holding the baby, but he's not. And he starts, to, he injects him with like this nitric acid, nitric acid, beats him unconscious with a lead pipe. So, Dr. Loomis, Tommy, Carrie, Danny, Steven, they're all about to escape. Loomis tells him to go on without him because he has a little business to attend to. 
Michael's mask is found laying on the floor of the lab, screams, and that's the end of the movie. Real weird, crazy stuff. Unfortunately, last movie of Donald Pleasance. Now, here's the thing with uh, the producer's cut. They go more into detail about the Curse of Thorn, um, but they also talk about how there's another kind of ruin, which is basically uh, a good version of Thorn, which, if it comes in contact, could possibly stop Michael Myers. And there's a lot of different scenes in the film where Tommy has cert, like has the ruin, so to speak. Um, he'll put it in his pocket. A lot of different things are cut. The last like half hour of the film is totally different than what you get in the theatrical cut. You don't get all the babies and the surgeons and stuff. It's basically uh, after the scene where Kara jumps out the window and is taken to the sanitarium where Dr. Loomis and, and Tommy need to go rescue her. That's when Tommy finds Michael Myers. Um, they actually find Kara. She's going to be sacrificed. And Kara is telling Michael Myers that you know what's your baby, right, Michael? And that kind of stops them. And they're going to do the procedure. But Tommy walks in and he's got guns blazing. He doesn't shoot people, but he's threatening to kill people. And, uh, and they escape while Michael Myers is coming after him. Tommy cuts open his hand. And puts blood around the ruin. Michael Myers comes in, stops, uh, doesn't do nothing. He's like, "Great, it canceled him out." Next thing you know, uh, we have the man in black that you saw uh, lying on the floor. Doctor Loomis shows up, finds out that it's uh, Doctor Wind. That Michael Myers basically changed spots uh, with Doctor Wind, so that way Michael Myers could escape. And Loomis gets the the thorn embedded into his elbow or into his um, his wrist starts to scream because now he realizes he's now the keeper the guy that he's been trying to lock away for all these years he's now basically the daddy of the film uh, of Michael Myers so it's kind of uh, kind of interesting so um, also I forgot to mention they actually show uh, Jamie in the very beginning they show you what happened to her in the jail cell they show her being captured and thrown into the back of a van uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. If you can, if you can find the producer's cut, some of it can be found on the television version. Some of the scenes were reinserted to increase the running time of the film. They add some of the music, uh, the original John Carpenter's original version. So this film, I'll tell you, uh, probably two stars. I mean, there's some things I can enjoy out of it, but it's not a very good film at all. Uh, the mask looks great. Uh, you know, George Wilbur looks great. Um, Jamie being 30 years old, supposed to be 15 years old, is kind of, you know, takes me out of the film. Um, you know, the film took six years later to come out. But, uh, you know, the guy's head being blown off, being electrocuted is stupid and ridiculous. The blood trail uh, is just, how could you not notice that? the baby doesn't cry kind of ridiculous so uh, the good things I like uh, from the theatrical version I, I kind of like the Michael Myers taking out all the doctors that scene was kind of fun to watch especially with the strobe light going I would definitely say I like the producers cut better than I like the theatrical version but a lot of people haven't seen the producers cut so if you can get your hands on it I recommend you check it out just to get an initial 
see the vision of how the film is supposed to come out. The Curse of Thorn is definitely more uh, better explained than the theatrical version. So I highly recommend that you do check that out. Even though the film itself isn't very good, if you're a fan of the series, the producer's cut would help make sense of part six instead of the train wreck that we got. So on a good day, the film is two stars, um, but probably a normal person would rate about a star, you know, a star and a half. You know, that's being nice. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to the last of the film we're going to talk about, which is Halloween Resurrection. Tomorrow night, you will enter the childhood home of our most brutal mass murderer. The home has been rigged up with several cameras, but for the most part, the audience will see only what you see. Six friends. Are you sure they're not just putting us in some house with hidden cameras in the shower? This is going to be fun. Have been offered fame and fortune. That's the American dream. All they need to do... All the windows will be boarded up and all the doors will be locked shut behind them. No one will be allowed to leave until the show is over. You stay the night. Let the danger-tainment begin! Now... You think this is the one that he used to, you know, do his thing? The webcast is live. One flash and you could light up a thousand computer screens. You are like this close to getting voted off the island. The stage is set. Has anybody else seen this? That worked Whoa! It's all fake. We've been set up. We're only trying to give America a good show. But the house. Wait, what just happened? We just lost Bill's camera. There's somebody in the hall. Is his. Michael's here! This summer. How many please help us? Evil. <laughs> comes home. Trick or treat. Mother. Hello, Michael. I knew you'd come sooner or later. What took you so long? Okay, so Halloween Resurrection. So this basically pisses on everything that H2O did. H2O came back to take the part six crap and try to make sense and to bring the series back to the top. Because, you know, Halloween was considered the best of the horror series and the more sequels came out the more trashy it got and the more watered down it got and just eventually lost the scariness so h2o tried to come back reinvent the series and it did a pretty good job and then we get halloween resurrection which basically takes everything great that happened in h2o pisses it away and ends the series on the worst note possible so here's the thing movie came out in 2002 uh, it's directed by Rick Rosenthal, which is a shame because he did an excellent job in part two. He comes back to direct his trash. Uh, the film's based upon the continuancy of Halloween H2O. So it, a lot of fans 
ignore this film and just say it's like a spin-off that it has nothing to do with the film series which is how I like to do it now the only good thing this movie has going for it is one thing and that's the mask the mask is the best looking mask period since Halloween 2 it takes the mask that we got in 4, 5, and 6 and H2O kills it and this is hands down the best mask of the series outside of Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 so that is awesome. Now, here's what I suggest. If you've never seen this film, but you've seen H2O, uh, watch the beginning, and after you get the title sequence, shut this crap off, okay? The film is three years after the events of what happens to Laurie Strode. So Jamie Lee Curtis is back, but only for the first 10 minutes. She's been sent to a psychotic, um, like a, saturi- a psychiatric hospital. After it's revealed that she beheaded a paramedic instead of Michael. As I said before, this is ridiculous. Michael Myers was in H2O. They never planned on making a sequel, but Mustafa Khan said we got to have Michael Myers back. And some idiot at the boardroom said, hey, I have a way that we can bring back Michael Myers. We'll fake what happened and have Michael Myers escape because Michael Myers is a psychic and he knew that uh, Laurie Strode was going to cut his head off. So he decided to change his clothes and switch his mask and walk off because he was going to come back later and kill Laurie because Michael Myers is no longer a ninja. He's no longer an assassin he's now a psychic so you can call him at 1-900 michael myers at the rescue i guess i don't know it's it's totally stupid how they came up with this plan i don't know what person greenlit this idea but it's completely ludicrous okay he basically crushed his lair his larynx supposedly so he couldn't talk Forcefully switched his clothes and his mask. So, October 31st, 2001, Lori's still in captivity. She pretends to be heavily medicated, but she knows Michael Myers is going to come back and kill her. So, she's had this extreme dissociative disorder, kind of like Michael Myers, where he never talked and said anything. She hides her pills and prepares herself for the confrontation she's going to have with Michael. Now, the beginning is pretty cool with the kill scenes. I do like the way the camera angles and the lighting is. Uh, reminiscent of Halloween 2, I totally dig the way Michael Myers looks when you first see him. And his couple kill scenes in the beginning pretty cool. So, Michael finally appears. Lori lures him into a trap and she attempts to kill Michael. She second guesses herself and she thinks she's going to take off the mask. Now, again, Michael Myers' hands is not burned, which is stupid because even if you're not counting four, five, and six, you would still give him burns on his hands because he blew up in Halloween 2. So, again, re- that's just stupid that they didn't give him burned hands. So what does she do? She takes off his mask. Well, she tries to take off his mask. Michael Myers catches her, stabs her in the back, and she says, I'll I'll see you in hell, gives him a kiss, and she falls to her death. And then Michael returns home to his house, and that's when the rest of this crap happens. Now, here's the thing. Um, The original intention was to have, um, well, I guess I should talk about the beginning here. The original opening scene was to show um, a backyard which shows the Myers family spending time together with everybody except Michael. Um, You see, you know, um, Deborah, Judith, Lori as a toddler, and Michael is seen with his back turned to the camera. And when he turns around, that's when they start to focus in on his evil eyes. And then the original title, Halloween Homecoming, shows up. But the producers later changed that because they wanted people to know that Michael Myers was back, so they therefore changed it to Resurrection. So 
So after Michael Myers kills Laurie, which at this point you should have shut off the film, um, a following year later, Michael is living in a section of the tunnels below his childhood house because, you know, hey, he's creative. He's learned to be a carpenter, so he's learned to build tunnels, I guess. So these six college students, Bill, uh, played by Thomas E. F. Nicholas, you're going to know him from um, American Pie. We have Donna Chang, which is played by Daisy McCracken. Just people you're not going to know. We have Jen, Jim, uh, Rudy, which Sean Patrick uh, Thomas, you probably know him, uh, with Save the Last Dance with Julia Stiles. And uh, Sarah Moyer, which is played by Bianca uh, Zolinch. Uh, she's in this... Uh, this TV show with David Spade. Um, I think it was canceled. I'm not really sure, but she couldn't scream, so they had to give her somebody to do a fake scream for it. But basically, they win a competition to appear on an internet reality show directed by Freddie Harris, which is played by Busta Rhymes. Okay, I don't have any issues with musicians being actors. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. In fact, uh, LO Cool J does a great job. Ice-T does a great job. Heck, even Eminem did a great job. Okay, but Busta Rhymes, okay, uh, he was decent in higher learning but he's horrible in this film okay whether you like the guy's music or not which you know that's fine if you like Busta Rhymes but if you're a fan of Busta Rhymes don't watch this film because you're not going to like him after this because he's a horrible actor I don't like him whatsoever he's just ugh. he's he's staler than like I don't know milk like old crusty milk I mean the guy just he can't he can't act he's really really bad but he's he's basically the the main guy in charge, and Nora Winston, Tyra Banks. Now Tyra Banks, I have the hots for Tyra Banks. You know, me and my wife, we have this thing where uh, if we could if we could be with a celebrity, who would it be with? She's got LL Cool J. I got Tyra Banks. Okay, whether you like Tyra Banks or not, the girl is fine. Okay, she's got the curves. She's just she's awesome. Okay, I think she's totally fine. I think she's beautiful. Uh, she may be a jerk off in real life. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I saw her TV show a couple times. It was good times, but she's definitely the thing to look at, okay? Um, but she doesn't, she's not too much role in this film. And uh, they all have to spend a night in a childhood of Michael Myers and try to figure out what made Michael Myers tick. Well, they went over that in part six. Hello, but again, they're going to try to re-explain it to you. So the mission is to find out what led him to kill. And Sarah's friend, Miles... Uh, he watches this broadcast during the Halloween party. This is trying to rip off Blair Witch Project where they put headsets on their head. Now, on the special features of this film, you can actually watch the whole entire film through the through the cameras of the actors, which I kind of like that idea, but it doesn't, you know, the whole film premise is just to be an internet TV show, basically. So Halloween day, they start to search the entire house for something that can lead to Michael's past. They run into three groups of uh, different areas. Uh, each one shows something horribly wrong that happened. Uh, you know, like Michael Myers has like a, a baby chair with a lock on it, that kind of thing. Of course, they're all fake. They're all planted by Freddy. He's got to give them a good show. Now, the most ridiculous scene happens in all of Halloween history. Michael Myers is taken down by Busta Rhymes. And what I mean by that is, you know as much as I do. You get in Michael Myers' way, or you piss him off, you are a dead man. What happened? Buster Rhymes walks into the house, and Buster Rhymes starts to go off on the guy. And 
he thinks he's his cameraman. So he's like, what are you doing in here? I'm supposed to be Michael Myers. I'm trying to give everybody a good show. And he takes his finger, pushes Michael Myers' head. What does Michael Myers do? Absolutely nothing. He walks away. At that point in the game, you're like, what am I watching? This is complete trash. It has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Because Michael Myers in all of these movies would have never done that. He would have just killed him right there and went on to the rest of them. But no, he walks away. I, I don't know what they were thinking with this. Um, it, it's just dumb. So the rest of the film, everybody pretty much dies. Michael, you know, I'm not really going to get into it too much, but the last student, Sarah, chased by Michael, um, runs into Freddy. The two of them fight Michael. Freddy's hurt. Sarah flees. Uh, Miles, which is um, Sarah's friend, calls 911. Uh, only be rebuked by the operator, think it's a hoax. Sarah gets trapped in the garage of the house, faces Michael, um, gets sets the garage on fire by accident. Michael is about to kill Sarah. Now Freddy comes in, wounded, says, trick or treat, mother effer, and uh, electrocutes Michael. And uh, the emergency group comes up. Final scene in the movie, Michael's body sent to the morgue. Corner opens the bag, he opens his eyes, and that's it, Michael Myers is alive. It's just... Okay, this movie is definitely a one-star film. Now, the Rob Zombie stuff is definitely worse than this film. And the reason why I say this, this movie took everything you knew about the Halloween series and took a piss on it, okay? Uh, Because of the fact of it killed Laurie, which is fine that Laurie died. Because after all these movies, Laurie's got to go out at some point. But H2O was perfect. She beheaded Michael. This movie should not exist, okay? It should definitely not exist. But they're going to kill Laurie off. The way she dies is kind of ridiculous. And it's like she should have went out a different way. And then Michael just goes back and starts killing people that it's in his house, okay? It's like I kind of get it. But at the same time, the whole he, – Michael doesn't act any way that he normally would in the film. And it's like everybody knew how bad this film was and decided not to watch and they reboot it. Now, what Rob Zombie does is he takes all the greatness that John Carpenter created and instead of pissing on it, he takes a dump on it, okay? I mean, I've already told you my thoughts on what I thought of the first one, but uh, I kind of went over that in my my worst movies ever uh re-watching halloween one and two you know i've talked about what i liked about halloween which is the look of michael myers how great he how great he was and that was the best part and uh dr loomis you know does a great job uh malcolm mcdowell does a good job of reinventing the character those were the two things i liked i liked having daniel harris back but it was basically i you know i i talked about why i didn't like the film and halloween two i watched it again it, it's still probably the worst movie I've ever seen you know uh, I don't know I don't know what the deal is with that film there's nothing good to say about it uh, that movie is definitely a half a star I would watch Halloween Resurrection any day before I watch Halloween 2 uh, I would definitely say that the Rob Zombie Halloween is better than Resurrection but Halloween 2 is nowhere near the greatness of Halloween Resurrection. That's saying a lot, because Halloween Resurrection is a one-star film. So, Re- Resurrection's got going for is the fact that you get Jamie Lee Curtis for the first 10 minutes. If you want to see how she goes out, watch it. The mask looks good. But other than that, call it a day. Okay? Um, not a great way to end the series. And then we get the Rob Zombie stuff. And now, 
Now that the uh, Halloween series is over, we're supposed to get a Halloween 3D, which the guys that redid Texas Chainsaw Massacre are supposed to come back and do Halloween. Um, and I'm not sure where they're going with it, if they're going to continue the Michael Myers um, storyline or the Laurie Strode storyline. I'm not sure where they're going with that. Now, it, it's hard to say if they're going to reboot this film again. Uh, I mean, in regards to what Rob Zombie did with the first one, if they would have just cut down... Uh, so many things like if they would have just cut down the swearing if they would have just cut down the violence and just uh, made you think it not show it to you I think the film would have been so much better I would have given the film more of a chance I would have enjoyed it a lot more but because it's a Rob Zombie thing and he takes it too far that's what really killed the film part 2 is just so crazy with um, the character development of Lori just going way beyond um, any normal person I mean Daniel Harris went through a lot but her character Annie stays consistent from the previous film versus uh, Malcolm McDowell uh, Loomis, he's completely different character, goes completely off the wall. I mean, there's one scene where uh, he watches TV and then he turns around and he's instantly transported to a barn. It's ridiculous. The I guess the original intention, um, everybody died. Loomis dies, Michael Myers dies, and Laurie dies in the original version of Halloween 2, but instead they changed it to where Laurie uh, kills Michael Myers and is in the sanitarium and sees the mom with the white horse. And I don't know. It's just ridiculous. So, um, I still love the Halloween series. It's still my favorite, but I'm real particular with what I watch. Uh, any day, I would watch Halloween 1 and 2, of course. Uh, Halloween 4. I'd watch some um, H2O. Uh, Halloween 5 is kind of like, if it's on TV, I'll watch it. Uh, Halloween 6 is probably the one I wouldn't watch. Uh, it's probably the one I watch the least out of all of the films. Uh, obviously, Resurrection is by far the least. I I think I've seen it. I've seen it twice. I watched it one time and then I watched it again for this review. And then the Rob Zombie stuff. I I don't ever go near it. So uh, so I wish this. I'd love to say that the the series ends on a high note. If it had ended with H two O, it would definitely end on a high note. So that's it, guys, for the Halloween series for next Halloween. Uh, I'm going to let you guys um, you know, decide which one you want to hear the most. Uh, do you want to hear the Friday the 13th series or do you want to hear the Nightmare on Elm Street series? Because you know I've done Nightmare on Elm Street 1 but I haven't done the rest of this series. So I would just pick up from, uh, from Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and continue forward. Uh, but the Friday the 13th series is real fun. It's real bad editing, real bad uh, colors and everything but the movies are super fun. So I probably would do uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, on the next time around. So, uh, before I get into the music spotlight, um, on the Facebook page, uh, actually, before I get into the Facebook page, let's get into some emails. Alright, so, first emailer is from Sebastian. Uh, he says, Hi, Mike Mack. This is Sebastian in Newmarket, Canada, in the snowy mountains of Romania, and here's my thoughts on the Halloween series. He said, Halloween 1 and 2 are really good, with H2O is good and to a trilogy, which... I, I agree with that statement, sir. You know, that's how I thought. And that's how I, I reviewed the very beginning of the series, as you guys know. So I agree with you on that one. He said, I thought if Halloween was removed from Season of the Witch title, uh, it would have gotten better reviews and better income from theaters and film sales. Yeah, uh, that's true. I 
if you watch the film by itself, it's a pretty decent film. I mean, it's not the greatest piece of artwork you're ever going to watch on film. Uh, it's definitely not the worst film you're ever going to see either. Uh, some of it's kind of weird, but yeah, if you don't associate with the Halloween series, I think you could probably enjoy yourself with part three. Uh, he says, the daughter trilogy or two part with small part of third is okay, but really hokey. Now, I'm not really sure what you mean by hokey. Uh, I think you're just trying to say it doesn't really compare to the Jamie uh, to the Laurie Strode trilogy, which I would agree with that statement. Uh, he says, it sort of reminds me of Saw franchise, which uh, I've only seen a couple of the Saws. I haven't seen the rest of it. Uh, I can't really compare it too much. If you're saying that the sequels get worse with Saw, from the sequels I saw, um, <laughs> pun intended, um, they definitely seem to be more consistent than the Halloween series seem to have gone. So... He said it started really good and the sequels drained the goodness from the original concept. I gave all the sequels a star except for H2O, which I give three stars. So now one star is kind of harsh, especially for Halloween 4. Um, Halloween 5, um, you know, Halloween 5 is definitely better than a star. Halloween 6, I could see you giving to definitely Resurrection. I definitely would agree with you there. But Halloween 4 is a really good film, sir. Uh, too bad you only gave it a star. But uh, good to hear your thoughts. Um, if you have any thoughts on the rest of the Halloween series that uh, you know you want to comment on, go ahead and send it to SweetDelayPodcast at Yahoo.com. And the final email comes from uh, my boy John, uh, John M. It says, hello, Mike. Uh, and this is about Real Steel. Now, this is spoiler-free in regards to the email, so don't worry about that. He says, hi, Mike. Uh, I went and saw Real Steel and wanted to know what your thoughts on it was and if you uh, were going to go see it. Uh, I have not seen this film and here's here's my thoughts on Real Steel. Uh, as you guys know from my earlier episodes, Fast Five, Transformers, X-Men, um, all those movies I had the Real Steel trailer attached to, which is really weird. The first time I saw it, I was like, eh, it looks kind of hokey. The second time, I'm like, wow, this trailer is pretty good. By the third time, I was like, wow, this trailer is really, really good. I was really interested to see where it would go because it kind of had like a, a rocky feel to it. Um, I really I really thought it would be good, but I wanted to hear other people's thoughts. And I have to admit, everything been, has been consistent. Uh, Jason from Flix went and saw it. I asked him about it, and he said it, it was actually really, really good. My one friend saw it really, really good, uh, way better than they expected. And uh, and here's what uh, John had to say about Real Steel. He goes, my thoughts. It's a PG-13 movie for language and violence, but cuts, uh, cuts some words here and there, and you can make it a PG film. Uh, I think it would make a lot more money if you did it that way. And you know, PG-13, it still makes quite a good money, but I can hear what you say. I think it would be more family-friendly if you would make it PG, and I get where you're going with that. If you just cut off uh, some of the swear words here and there, definitely make it more family-oriented, which it definitely looks to have that vibe to it. Uh, with that said, I really like it and had good times with it. It played very heavy to that 13 to 17 age, but was still fun for adults. Three and a half in my book. Thank you for your time. Keep up the good work. John MC, Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. P.S. Do we know what the two movies won the poll? Okay, this is what I want to talk about. Um, If you didn't know already, which I hope you did because I sent a couple notes on it, that uh, 
I was going to have a list of movies to choose from since I had a little bit more free time to go before The Crow hits to you guys of horror movies that you want to hear. Because I said, do you want to hear the rest of the Halloween series broke up in individual episodes? Or do you want it all grouped together and then you can just get more movies? You guys voted to get more movies. So I had a list up there. Now, the one thing I didn't notice is that uh, people could add their own movies. Now, uh, a lot of people were adding their own movies, which that's fine that you were doing that. But my my initial list was for those specific movies because those were the most popular movies that I could think of um, or the ones that I have fast access to because I currently own those. Now, the ones that people added, uh, I do have note of that. Uh, for example, um, another Jason added Phantasm. A really good movie, and I do actually plan on reviewing that. It doesn't have to be around Halloween time because it's got a really good science fiction effect to it. So I definitely uh, have planned and added those films, but... The ones I asked about are the ones that I put up initially. So here are the leaders and the winners of those polls. Uh, at the last minute, Freddy vs. Jason came out as number one, and number two is Pet Cemetery. So those are the two movies that I'm going to be reviewing before the Crow episode hits you. So looking forward to it. I really dig me some Pet Cemetery. Probably the first movie I ever saw, Flippin' Kid Die. Uh, and that kid's real creepy, and he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So I'm gonna have a real fun time talking some Pet Cemetery, Freddy vs. Jason. It's gonna be weird talking Freddy vs. Jason because of the fact I haven't reviewed the whole series of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy uh, or Jason. But I'm gonna give you my overall thoughts of those two series before I go in depth into the rest of the series. But uh, just Freddy vs. Jason is just fun time. So uh, I'm gonna have a good time doing that one. So those two expect to get those uh in the next couple of uh I, there's no, I know there's only like two weeks left in the month but expect those two episodes to hit you before you get the crow so that is it for emails let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight all right so the music spotlight today uh i i was just uh jamming to this song the other day and i was like you know what this song's really cool and i definitely need to play it on the show because of the fact of not a lot of people know about this song. Um, if you're a fan of Offspring, they're kind of uh, originally like a punk style band. Uh, they had a couple of really good, decent hits that hit the radio. But this one single seemed to come out that was popular for like two months and then it went away and no one ever heard of the song again. It's pretty fly for a white guy. If you've never heard the song, it's flipping hilarious. The song is Good Times. And uh, the lyrics are hilarious. The song is good. It's about being a poser. And uh, I, I flippin' love this song. It's absolutely hilarious. So uh, sit back, relax, check the song out. Hopefully you guys will dig it. If you haven't heard this song in a while, it's definitely good to reminisce and check it out. If you've never heard this song, stick through it because it's really good lyrically. It's really funny. And Offspring is definitely a good punk band that's kind of more punk mainstream. It's kind of like Green Day was originally a punk band and then went more mainstream punkish. So... Um, so that's going to be it, guys. Uh, you guys uh, take care, and this Who's is Masunasa. And all the girlies say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. Three. 